Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church on this cold Michigan winter Sunday. As uh, many of you know, Pastor Teresa and I spent the first part of March in South Florida. This is something that we've been doing now uh, for many, many years as we take our winter break. And whenever we go to Florida, we always like to bring back some warm weather and sunshine. Unfortunately, that didn't happen this time around. But how many of you know it's spring next week, right? Is it Tuesday? So think spring. Uh, put, put, put spring in your mind. I want to encourage you that way. And in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this year in Michigan, we are going to have an amazing spring. Or not. Anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, as we begin this morning, I'd like to read a portion of scripture found in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Talking about the early church, the first century church, Acts chapter 2 says this. And they, who would be they? The church members, the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. The church members devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to prayer. So a lot of devotion going on. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, earlier this year in mid-January, as we were making our way through the 21 days of prayer, this is something that we do at the beginning of the year, and so during our prayer time, one of our prayer leaders quoted these verses of Scripture, and when he did, it immediately resonated in my heart and brought me back to the Community Christian Church good old days. And in the event you missed it, about six weeks ago, on February the 2nd of this year, we celebrated 31 years in ministry. Community Christian Church has been around 31 years. Forgive me as I get through this again. I always like to tell this story. I, I don't think I've done it in a while. We started our, with our very first service, held our very first worship service on February the 2nd, 1992, just down the street at Burr Elementary School. On that occasion, as we got started, there was about 100 people in attendance, maybe a little bit over 100. Most of those people came uh, as our friends and family members to uh, support and celebrate the launch of a brand new church, and it was a, a very memorable service. I still remember the sermon that I preached. Uh, we had a great time. The next week, so week two, that number was reduced from 100 to 30, 
And uh, that's how we started the church with about 30 or 35 people. And then week three, um, we had a tremendous winter storm on Saturday night. Uh, that's typically the window and the time frame for the snow to fall, Saturday to Sunday. And so we had 10 inches of snow and just a handful of people showed up. I don't even think we had 10 people. And I thought to myself, Lord, what have I done? And for the first 14 or 15 years of our development, as we were making our way through startup and the building stages of the church, I preached and I pounded these six verses that we just read like they were going out of style. Some of you will remember that. Almost every other week we made reference somehow to the importance of these verses and I came up with creative ways to talk to you about the importance of what is stated here. Again, Acts chapter 2 and verse 44 says, all, how many? All. How many? All. all. The believers were together and they had everything in common. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32 goes on to say, they, the members, the church, were one in heart and mind. Say that. They were one in heart and mind. Now I want you to stop right there for a moment. I want you to think about it. Do you know how many people were attending this church at that time? If you follow through the book of Acts and you read what was happening, about 3,500 people. Not a couple hundred, 3,500 people, 3,500 people, and the scripture tells us they were one in heart and mind. Do you know how much of a miracle that is? For all the people to be able to meet together on a daily basis and plan events and get along with each other, and they cooperated with the leadership, and they were able to sidestep all the strife, and they were communicating with each other without anger or emotional escalation. You know, if I'm involved in a conversation three days, uh, these days with three or four different people, and some topic of controversy comes up, immediately I have to morph into referee mode and do everything within my diplomatic power to keep an outright war from breaking out. They were together, they had everything in common, and they were one in heart and mind. They got along together. They believed in what they were doing. And they walked together in this kind of unity. And this was a divine answer to the prayer that Jesus had prayed with his disciples just a few hours before he went to the, to the cross. It was during the Last Supper when Jesus instituted the Communion Supper that he prayed a prayer. In fact, he prayed a bunch of prayers. And a part of that prayer is found in John chapter 17, verses 21 through 23. And this was what Jesus said. He's crying out to God. He's praying, and he said, I pray. The disciples are right there with him. And he says, I pray that they will all be one. 
I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. May they experience such perfect unity, not just unity, but perfect unity, that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This is the purpose of unity. We talk about its importance. This is why unity is so essential, because it points people to Jesus. It's not just so that we all get along and we, we all have you know, less stress in our lives, which is definitely a, a step in the right direction. Jesus said the purpose of unity was so that people would know, the world would know, and they would see the love and acceptance that God has, that they would know Jesus. And do you remember who Jesus was praying this prayer for? John 17, 20 says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So he was praying for the disciples, Jesus was praying for the early church, and he was praying for every other local assembly and every other church that would ever be established, including us. So in his prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus was literally praying for us. He had us in mind. You see, unity is a big deal to God. It always has been, it always will be. And in Psalm 133, verse 1, it was David who wrote, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. For there, in the place of unity, the Lord commanded his blessing. Life forevermore. I mean, check this out. There is a divine, God-ordained, amazing blessing that comes when we can get along with each other, when we can put our differences aside and we can walk together in unity. And not only do you find this theme in the Old Testament, it's written throughout the pages of the New Testament as well. And not only did Jesus have a lot to say about it, but so did Paul the Apostle. Almost in every one of his writings, he talked about unity. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Philippians 2.2. 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Finally, Colossians 3.14. And over all of these other virtues... Uh, like joy and peace and love and compassion and kindness and humility and all of these essential virtues, Paul says, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's a lot to be said about this virtue of unity. And again, the book of Acts tells us that all the believers, not 80% or 95%, but all of the believers came together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. They had everything in common. They were one in heart and mind. That is the epitome of unity. You see, the Acts 2 community, they rallied behind the vision of the church. They took ownership of the ministry. They shared in the expenses and the responsibilities of the church. And not only did enthusiasm and team spirit soar, 
But the church, just like we sang about earlier, they became, the church became a movement. And it went beyond what anyone thought or could even imagine. The movement was so much bigger than they were. And the payoff was, according to the verses that we read, every single time they gathered together, the powerful and amazing presence of God was among them. And they sang songs of worship, and the word of God was preached, the Holy Spirit showed up, and people got saved. It happened every time. And this is the same dream and the same vision that we had for Community Christian Church since day one, dating all the way back to February of 1992, Pastor Teresa and I envisioned an Acts 2 church, a church that would walk together in unity, that would be one in heart and mind. And it didn't take long for something very special to happen here at our church. Again, we started in 1992, and just two years later, in 1994, with about 60 people, that's how many people were attending the church then, we purchased 3.6 acres of vacant property on Ryan Road. The property cost us $120,000. Since we didn't have any money at the time, no money saved at all, we had to raise the money for the down payment, we raised the $40,000 down payment on one Sunday, and then the church came together, and we all made payments over the next three years of $27.78. How many of you remember that? You got that little payment booklet, and you made that payment. We paid the land off in August of 1996. And then two years later in 1998, with about 200 people, not quite 200, again we pooled our resources and we pledged a million dollars together to help us build our first church building, which was called, we called it our phase one building. And again, since we didn't have a whole lot of money, once again the church came together and we made payments. We all made payments together and we paid uh, for the start of that construction, and we took occupancy of our phase one building in May of 1991. And after being a portable church for seven years, pretty much setting up and tearing down almost every week, we now had our own facility to worship the Lord in. And when we came together, whether it was on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or if we gathered for prayer, whenever we came, we were so excited to be in that building that we worshiped the Lord and we celebrated with all of our hearts. And being in our building, being able to worship God in our phase one auditorium, the church started to grow. And a lot of good things started to happen. We went basically from 200 people to 600 people overnight. A lot of children and students began uh, to uh, attend our church. Families started coming, and we were forced to go to three Sunday morning services. I mean, for a while, it got crazy around here. And we thought, we've got to build again, which is what we did. And so we introduced... Uh, in uh, 2002, our Phase 2 Faith Project, we raised another $2 million, and with that money, we 
put together this beautiful sanctuary and the ministry support building that we have. And if you were following all that, and I didn't put you to sleep, within the first 10 years of our church, we held four major capital campaigns. And with those four campaigns, we raised 300, pardon me, three and a half million dollars cash. Three and a half million dollars with pretty much the same group of people. First 10 years of our church. And the only way that we could have ever done that, been successful and raised that amount of money and reach our goal every time was with 100% support. You see, we shared a common vision and a common purpose. We rallied behind what we were doing and everybody got involved and everyone was unified. And back then in the early days, if we had 50 people coming to the church and we announced an event, guess how many people signed up? Pretty close to 50. And not only did they want to attend the event, but they also wanted to serve. They wanted to volunteer and be a part of it. After church on a Sunday morning, the majority of us would go out uh, to a restaurant and we would have a meal together. We would, we'd all have lunch. I mean, we show up at a restaurant with 60, 70 people. The restaurant owners, they loved us. Why wouldn't they? I mean, we spent a lot of money. The founding members of our church, we did life together. We did a lot of things together. Not only did we attend church, we participated in volunteer positions. We came to prayer. We showed up for leadership training. We got involved in activities. We were a part of the church. And back then we bought into the mission and everyone had a job to do. And not only did we belong to the church and we knew we belonged, there was that sense of belonging, but we also knew that somebody was depending on us to do our part. They knew if we didn't show up, that position was not gonna be filled and it, that work would not get done. And so everybody was involved, everyone was enthusiastic, everyone did their part. I hate to say it, but today, in order to encourage signups, in order to get the amount of help that we need, I've got to feed you, <laughs> bribe you, and promise to give something away. And I know that's a slight exaggeration. Uh, it's not the case for some of you. In fact, we have many faithful volunteers at our church who work on a, a regular basis, and we really appreciate your support. It does not go unnoticed. Thank you. But it just seems like we're all so busy. We're going in so many different directions. We're involved in so many different projects that distractions outweigh our good intentions. And I've mentioned this to you on many different occasions. If you really want to stay plugged in, then you have to volunteer your time and you have to commit somewhere. You gotta be involved somewhere. Someone has to be depending on you because if you don't have to be here, chances are you won't. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, 
Pastor Dave, he gave the uh, 2022 financial report. And from a financial standpoint, it was a very good year. In fact, it was the best year in our 31-year history. And as a part of the presentation, Dave, he mentioned some of the mission and outreach initiatives that we're currently involved in. And because of the church, because of you and your generosity, your unity and your willingness to rally behind the vision. Of course, whenever I talk like this, we always give the glory to God. God is the one who gives us the grace that we need. He, he provides us with everything. We know that. But because of your willingness to rally behind the vision of the church and the things that we're involved in, for many, many people, the world looks different today than it did uh, yesterday or last year. Many, many people right now, they have a roof over their heads because of this church. They have clothes on their back. They have food to eat. They have fresh drinking water. Some have been given life-saving medications. People who had no hope for the future are, are, are learning life skills and they're getting an education. Many have been rescued from the slave markets and from sex trafficking. And many, many people who are facing a much different reality will now spend an eternity with their God. Let me ask you, can you put a price tag on that? You see, that was the purpose of the early church. That was their common goal, their common vision. It was the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It was all about salvation and people understanding what that message was all about. It's a gospel of good news and it's good deeds. It's the reason why they did what they did, why they laid it all down, why they sold out, why they got spurred on and were consumed heart and mind. It's what created the, the unity among them, the willingness for them to come together. And truth be told, nothing has changed. The gospel message we preach today is still as powerful, essential, and vital as it was back in the first century. We gather together to encourage each other, but to preach the gospel message. We want people to hear it, we want the spirit to move, we want people to accept it and get saved. Now, thankfully, we are past the building project stage. I mean, we're renovating our phase one building and converting it into an authentic student center, which was a part of the original plan. But unless the Lord hits me over the head with a baseball bat, and he's gonna to have to do it a couple of times, my brick and mortar days are over. But just because we've been through all that already and we have this beautiful facility that God has blessed us with, it doesn't mean that he's finished with us yet. We're just getting started. There's so much more that God has here and that he wants to do through us. You see, God is in the business of building. He will forever be in that business. God is always looking down the road a piece. He's always concerned about a progressive vision. And currently, right now here at our church, God is building a future leadership team. That's right, he's building for the future. And I told you this day was coming. No one has been able to successfully discover the fountain of youth. Truth is, it doesn't exist. 
And in the event you haven't noticed, I'm getting older. I'm getting older every day. And so here it is. Sometime next year, in 2024, I will be stepping down from the office of senior pastor. And right about now, some of you are waking up and you want to make sure that you heard that correctly. So I'm going to repeat it. Sometime next year, in 2024, my role as a senior pastor will change. And no, I'm not retiring just yet. We're not quitting. In fact, it's been kind of comical to listen to all of the rumors and stories circulating in the congregation. It seems to me that you know about my retirement more than I do. <laughs> I'm not retiring. I'm not going anywhere just yet. But I am going to pass the baton of leadership to the new pastor. And again, this is something that we have been working on for many, many years now, probably close to five or six years. And I'm extremely happy to announce and to be able to tell you that the new pastor will be my son, Pastor Chris. I'm sure that is not a big surprise for many of you. Chris has been with us here at the church since the very beginning, dating all the way back to 1992 when we first held that worship service, that first service. Chris was about 12 years old. He was 12 years old. And at that time, it was Chris's responsibility, because all the family had a responsibility. Chris was responsible for the children's nursery set up and tear down. He did that every single Sunday. And he will tell you that after church on a Sunday morning, before he was allowed to have a donut, and we had donuts back then. We've had donuts for 31 years. <laughs> he liked the custard-filled donut with the chocolate icing on top and was concerned that we would run out. But before he was able to get one of those donuts, he will say that I made him complete his assignment. Now, I'm not sure that that's exactly uh, accurate, but he thinks it is. <laughs> In 1998, after high school, Pastor Chris went to college uh, for pastoral studies. He graduated, uh, I believe, in uh, 2001, came back and became our full-time youth pastor. And so he, uh, he, he graduated high school, went to college, graduated college, got married to Megan, his wife, went on their honeymoon, and just a few days after they got back from their honeymoon, I put him to work. Didn't waste much time at all. And Pastor Chris has been here with us uh, in leadership for the better part of 22 years. Pastor Teresa and I, believe that God has anointed him and called him to lead our church, and not just because he's our son. We've watched him over the years. We've worked with him. We've seen the Lord use him, the anointing and the calling that God has placed upon his life, and we have full confidence in this being uh, the ordering of the Lord. In addition to that, Pastor Chris has received high marks of endorsement from all of our leadership teams as well, including the board of directors, the elders, our staff, and I'm sure you feel the same way about him. So again, Pastor Teresa and I, we're going to stick around for a little while. 
Uh, we're not going to go anywhere. I'm going to continue to preach. Pastor Teresa is going to continue to lead in her area of ministry. We'll be involved uh, in a leadership capacity. And uh, we don't want to be pests, but we're going to throw our two cents in whenever we think that it's needed. And we will keep you posted and updated on the details of the succession as we get them. Again, uh, it'll be sometime in 2024. We haven't uh, really uh, pinpointed the date just yet. So as I bring this to a close, uh, let me say this. And Pastor Therese, can, can you join me? Grab that microphone if you don't mind. Let's welcome Therese. been a good run. We're not going to say all of our goodbyes because we're still going to be here for a while. But I, I do want to say that in May of next year, May of 2024, we will have served 40 years in full-time ministry. 40 years. It's time. We love Community Christian Church. We're passionate about this church, we've put our heart and our soul into what God is doing here. We're more committed about it than we've ever been before, but the truth is we don't have the energy or the stamina to take the church to the next level. But Pastor Chris and our amazing staff does. And uh, we acknowledge that it's time. It's time to, for us to, to say that, you know, God is raising up that future generation. And so we want to thank you for your support. We want to thank you for your love all of these years, for allowing us to serve you. Uh, we're very confident that God has good plans for our church. And if we can stay unified, if we can stay doing the same things that we've been doing for the last 30 years, keep our focus on the Lord, keep pursuing God, being passionate about uh, what we're doing here. We, we just have great uh, thoughts for the future and believe there's no telling what God will do among us. And we have a year to process this. <laughs> That's why Pastor wanted to tell you now so that we can all process this together. It's hard for us too. But like he said, we're getting older, and instead of parenting, we're going to be the spiritual grandparents. So you're not going to get rid of us. And you can count on our prayers, on our care, on our support, and, you know, we'll, we'll continue to under-shepherd under, under the leadership of Pastor Chris and Megan. It's always been our deep desire to be in the very center of God's will. We've prayed this prayer often, not one degree off course. We want a progressive vision for the church, and we believe this is God's answer for the future. So thank you for your prayers. Father, we 
are so appreciative of all that you've done here at Community Christian Church these past 31 years. Lord, you have been so faithful to us. We took just a few moments to go through the history of what you've done. We thank you and acknowledge, Lord, that every good thing is because of you. We would be foolish to take credit for anything good that's happened here. We give you the glory. We give you the praise and the honor. It's all due to you. Thank you for raising up such a, a, a wonderful and powerful group of people. We thank you for this congregation. The church is not a building. It's made up of its people. We thank you for the leadership going forward and for the plan that you have for our church. We know, Lord, it's a good plan. And so we thank you, Father. We thank you for the future. You have a better idea of what's going to happen more so than we do. We entrust it into your hands. We have great faith and confidence in you. And we ask for your blessing upon the families of our church. In the name of Jesus, amen.